Well, we thank you so much for joining us here on a, our Wednesday night service. Give a hand for Jessica with an amazing communion, Jeffrey and Melina for some powerful worship. One of the cool things that it always takes, it, it's a team effort to make a service happen. Of course, God's right in the center of it, but we got some amazing vessels that are being used. So we're thankful for each and every one of them. That includes setting up and tearing down, all that good stuff. So thank you guys for making this a family, making it a home, and putting so much into this. But as we do every single Wednesday, we are going verse by verse. And right now we are going through the Gospel of John. And we're getting into some pretty meaty scriptures, which we're going to see tonight. There's a lot to the scriptures, especially in chapter 17, that we're going to be studying tonight. It's one of my favorite ones to go through. Um, but I always like to recap a little bit of what we went through last week. The guy that was leading worship, Jeffrey Barnett, our steadfast leader, was uh, talking about navigating through this fog that we have to go through. Jesus used a lot of terminology and analogies that sometimes got lost in translation. And we're talking about, oh, now it's, the disciple said, there's no need to question you. We understand everything suddenly. And we have to do that through our own life. We're going through these navigational beacons that we have to go through. And he did a great job talking about that. And now, this week, we're going to talk about the same type of thing. Jesus is still speaking to the disciples, but in a totally different way. He's not just addressing them face-to-face. We're actually going to see that he is showing an example and talking to them through prayer. And it's, like I said, one of the best scriptures we can go through. And as I was studying through this scripture, I was getting this image of, of what to base it all around. And there's a lot of talk. I'm a, I'm a sports junkie. That's one of my things that I love to do. But a lot of talk in sports is this terminology of goat. And no, I'm not talking about the, the kind of cute little creepy barnyard animal that eats cans and like runs across the field and rams other people. Not that type of growth. I'm talking about the, the acronym that means greatest of all time. And in sports, I mean, it's thrown around all the time. I'm a big UFC fan. Every single fight, there's a new winner, a new champion. They're like, oh, he's the greatest of all time. So it gets thrown around. But I started to think back, like, who, who do I think is the GOAT for different things? And in baseball, I got to go with Babe Ruth. And even if you don't know baseball, you know Babe Ruth. He's one of the greatest of all time on one of the greatest teams of all time. Yes, yes, okay. Uh, <laughs> but we think about him being the GOAT. I don't want to talk about basketball because I, I dislike all the people that are considered the greatest of all time for basketball. So skip over that. But when we go to, like, the, the boxing world, there's no question. Muhammad Ali is the greatest of all time. And it's not just for sports. You can use it for other things. One of the greatest evangelists of all time, I believe, is Billy Graham. One of the greatest chefs of all time could be Julia Child, Bobby Flay, Thomas Keller, all these different people. But, of course, when I think of the greatest athlete of all time, one of the greatest people of all time, that goes right to Tom Brady. This makes me so happy because Pastor Jeff's doing slides up there, and it's probably, like, giving him another heart attack. This is awesome. So, like I was saying, the greatest of all time is thrown around a little bit too loosely. But when I was looking at this scripture, when I open almost every page of the Bible and I get a true meaning of who the greatest of all time, and there's no question at all that the greatest of all time is Jesus Christ. And that's, yeah, give him some praise. He's the greatest of all time. 
So tonight we're actually going to be looking at how he is the greatest of all time because packed into these few verses that I have is a, a showing and a testimony of how he is great in so many ways. And that's why I love seeing this. Jesus is the greatest of all time. End of story, case closed. That's the only way we should use that term. But this John chapter 17 is regarded as one of the best chapters in the Bible. It's called one of the holiest of holies of sacred scripture. It says a revelation of Christ's heart as he bears his soul in prayer to the Father before he stepped out later onto his death to the cross. Knowing that he was about to experience such a gruesome, horrible death, he is pouring his heart out at this moment giving everything he has, just like he always does, putting an outlet on the table. Truly a beautiful piece of scripture. The start of chapter 17, we get to see Jesus praying for himself. And we're going to cover in the next couple weeks, he'll also include that prayer starting tonight with his disciples. But it actually means he's praying for us at the same time. Jesus is praying for the scripture Not only for himself, but he's praying for the upcoming events that the disciples are going to have to face. He's using this time as an example to breathe life into them, reassurance into them for what they're going to go through. They're going to fail. They're going to stumble. They're going to need God interceding in their lives. And we get to see what it means as their mission gets clarified even more. So if you guys can stand, please stand with me. As we honor God's word, open up your Bibles to John chapter 17. And we're going to get our read on. We're going to go 1 through 5. It'll also be up on the screens. So chapter 17 says, After saying all these things, Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son so he can give glory back to you. For you have given him authority over everything and everyone. He gives eternal life to each one you have given him. And this is the way to have eternal life, to know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, the one you sent to earth. I brought glory to you here on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. Now, Father, bring me into glory we shared before the world began. Let's pray. Lord, we're thankful to just come before your feet. And we're going to see your heart and soul tonight, and we thank you for that. We can't even imagine what you had to go through. But knowing that you did it for us just blows me away. How you've never given up on us. How you continue to love us more and more. And the more and more that we get to know you, the closer we get to feel. And the more reassurance, the more comfort and peace we get to feel. So Lord, speak through these scriptures tonight. Let us experience the words in a whole new meaning. Let us just embody it in our heart and keep you with us always. It's your name we pray. All God's people said, amen. So this is a pretty heavy scripture. This is Jesus praying. As you can see, he's fixing his eyes up to the heavens, appealing to the Father as he prays, giving total respect and honor where it's due. This is a prayer that only Jesus could be praying. That's why we look at Jesus as the greatest of all time in prayer. 
Because when he prays, there's so much meaning behind it. There's so much reasoning behind it. There's so much emotion, so much heart, so much soul. We get to see how much he desires us to be in a relationship with God. Everything that he does is for a purpose. And Jesus begins his great prayer by making a a petition up to God, saying, I need you right now. A petition on his own behalf to the Father. He lifts his eyes and looks to the heavens and asks the Father to glorify him so that he can glorify the Father. Why is he praying right now? Because the weight of the universe is on his shoulders at this moment. Knowing what he is going to have to face and go through, of course he knows to get down and pray. Because he knows, and we need to know, that we cannot do this alone. And he is setting an example for these disciples. That if Jesus can get down and pray, then you know that we need to be doing the same thing. The whole plan of redemption depended upon Jesus' faithful obedience to death. Which is why he needed to pray. Not only for himself to get strength for whatever was about to go on, but strength for the people around him. Strength for his disciples following him, having to look at what was about to happen to their friend, their brother and savior. The strength of the people that were going to experience some questions that may not have been totally on board as a believer, having to stick through through all of this to know that he is going to actually do what he said it was prophesied to do and raise after three days. He was praying for so much. Jesus would glorify, and it was so nice that they were singing that song, because this is the theme that we're going through tonight with glorifying the Father by drying on the cross as the Lamb of God to take away the sin of the world. But he needed the strength of the Father to give him that last little push to finish his mission that he was sent here to do. And we talk about sitting down and praying firsthand for ourselves. Sometimes that gets a little tough for us to understand. Like, why is Jesus going and the first thing he's doing is praying for himself? I know that sometimes in the past when I've I start off my prayers, and it's like, oh, I'll just start with myself. Sometimes it may seem a little selfish. Like, why would I start my prayer? Aren't aren't we supposed to pray for other people? How are we going to pray for other people if we're not solid ourselves first? For a lot of us, we get to walk, and we are the leaders of either a household, a workplace, where we have to be strong. We're carrying these other people along with Jesus. We need the strength for the words to give them, the strength to carry through our mission walking forward with them. So we need to get down first and pray for strength, pray for wisdom, pray for ourselves before we start helping other people. And Jesus understood that so well. Prayer is not informing God to what is going on. Prayer is inviting God into what is going on. When I call out the Lord in prayer to offer my need of help, I'm not informing God of something he doesn't already know. He's God. He knows what's going on in our lives. 
He's just waiting for the opportunity for us to just jump out and say, God, I need you in this moment. I can't do this on myself. I am going to humble down. I am going to submit to you. I need your strength in this moment. God is waiting for that opportunity of that connection. That's why he sent Jesus. He's been waiting for that connection. We need to walk and meet him that way. He wants us to talk to him in prayer. I'm inviting God into my situation, my trials, my tribulations, my problems. Jesus knows what is about to happen. This is Jesus. So the first thing he does is start to pray and plead to the Father to give him the strength for this. And not only for him, but for his disciples and his friends. So if Jesus was always praying, if Jesus knew that he was going to face trials and he went down to start to pray, then what does that mean for us? That's Jesus. We need to be doing ten times as much prayer. He set a beautiful example for us. So let's just read the scripture first in verses 1 and 2. It says, After saying all these things, Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son so he can give glory back to you, for you have given him authority over everyone. He gives eternal life to each one you have given him. Jesus looked up to heaven and he was praying. I know there's a lot of us going through things right now in this room. And we need to start bringing more prayer into our lives. So this is a perfect place to start. So this is going to be our first table time. As we're going to go around. And you're going to start to intercede in your life, bringing him in. You're going to pray for yourself around this table. Say it to your brothers and sisters what you need prayer for so they can pray later on. But right now... Say it out loud. Say what you need prayer prayer for right now. What do you need help with? Where do you need to submit even more? Where do you need Jesus more than ever? Start the prayer for yourself to give you the strength, to give you the confidence, to give you whatever you need. Let's start it right now. So go around your table. If you have multiple prayers, go for it. You guys get a pretty good amount of time because this is one of the ways that we get to glorify God. So start your prayer. Start talking around the tables and get to know each other. All right, we're going to go ahead and come back together. Lord, we lift up these prayers to you. We ask you to answer them if it's in your will and your way, but God, we're asking you to intercede in our lives. For those that need strength, I ask you to give strength. For those that need wisdom, I ask for wisdom. Lord, those that need compassion or love, that you give those things to them, because that's what you are. You are love, Lord. So we ask you to be with these people. Let them just come to you whenever they need it. And just give them what they need in your will and your way. It's your name we pray. Amen. Keep that up, guys. Every single day, we got to be starting off our day with prayer. we got to be ending our day with prayer. We have to be walking along our ways in prayer. Prayer doesn't go out of style. It doesn't stop. There's always time for prayer, so continue to do that. That's what Jesus did. Like I said, we're inviting God into our situations every single day. What better way to have when you have a problem than go right away to God and start talking to him? To bring him in, because he's the one that's going to be able to help us with our solution. So go to him in prayer. One of the things about the scripture, too, is Jesus is the greatest of all time at praying, but Jesus is also the greatest of all time at teaching. And like I said, he is doing this prayer to show his disciples 
what this looks like. Not only just to watch him like, oh, okay, Jesus is praying, but he's also setting a tone because he's saying all these things that he's been telling them all along. He's like, I'm doing this so I can bring glory back to God. I am praying so that you guys can finish your mission because that brings glory back to God. The same thing with each and every one of us. Someone with so much authority is submitting in prayer and asking for more help. He's reminding them who these disciples are walking with. Jesus has the authority. The authority to teach others to follow his ways. The authority to heal the sick. The authority to take demons out and cast them away. The authority over death. The authority to erase sin. He has the authority to judge. This is Jesus. This is who is praying at this moment. That's who they get to look to right now as he is burying his heart and asking what is going on. To not just help him right now, but also down the line. He's covering them in prayers as they walk later on down their lives as well. Jesus has all the authority, and it says it right there because of what the Father has given him. He has been given this authority over everyone. Jesus has all authority over everyone and everything, even his own flesh and self. And the scripture also gives us this little line where it shows us that Jesus is the way to eternal life. His disciples get to hear this. They have heard over and over again who Jesus is. They have walked with him, and now they get to hear it even again. That he's saying to God, you've given me this chance to give eternal life. Another chance for them to experience it even more. In verses 3 through 5, it tells us about this eternal life. And this is the way to have eternal life. To know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, the one you sent to earth. I brought glory to you here on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. Now, Father, bring me into the glory we shared before the world began. Jesus is the greatest of all time because he's the one that's able to bring us home. He's the one that grants eternal life. That's pretty special to me. No other person has that title. The greatest of all time is Jesus Christ for what he does for us. He is the greatest of all time for the heart that he's shown for us in doing what he does. And Jesus is the greatest of all time at showing us how to be humble because he knows all of his work is to bring glory to God. We get to experience eternal life because we know Jesus Christ. Jesus was sent to earth on a mission to bring glory back to the Father. So this is going to be your second table talk for the night. Let's get more into this glory. We are now to carry on Jesus' mission to bring glory to God. Discuss at your tables this question. What are you doing to bring glory to God in your everyday lives? Or what should you be doing to bring glory to God? Sometimes that's tough. You know what we should be doing, but sometimes we drag our feet and we don't want to do it. It's a little too much work. So let's just get it out in the open. Someone could say, ah, I think you actually be able to do that. So take some time. Answer this, what you're doing to bring glory to God. As Jesus set a pretty high example for us. Go ahead and take some time. 
So Jesus, Jesus' mission on earth was to bring glory back to God. He had a project to do, and he was going to finish it. I have a picture of this old beat-up car that kind of get us in this mindset of what it looks like to restore something. Stop and think how satisfied you were when you had this idea to start something, and then afterwards when it's done, you have this sense of pride and relief, like you've, you actually finished something. I began many moons ago uh, deciding to open up my own restaurant with my family, and I began looking at different properties, and we went and we looked for something that was, it was actually abandoned, it was dirty. It was broken. It needed a lot of restoration. It was going to take a lot of time, a lot of effort. But I could see in my mind what it would look like at the end. And through all this time that we put in and working on it, and all the investment that we made, to actually sit back when it was all done and feel this sense of accomplishment. It's like, yes, I, I, I wanted to do something, I started it, and I finished it, and it was amazing, and it's great, and you're able to beam with pride afterwards. And that's just a material thing. Think of how Jesus is able to feel when he's able to look back at the project that he had, where he was sent down to restore something that was broken, abandoned, needed a lot of investment, needed a lot of time. Needed a lot of care. Needed transformation. Needed restoration. Needed prayer. Turning us of what we once were into what rightfully he always imagined us to be. And it says in verse 5, bring me into the glory we shared before the world began. That's his sit back moment that he gets to experience. When he gets to look and see all that he has done through us. And it's all because of him. He now sits in glory, and so rightfully so. And how do I know this? Well, it even says it in other scriptures. And I think Stephen said it so beautifully that we need to go back to Acts to revisit it. Because he is saying this as he's about to be martyred and stoned to death. And he gets to experience this moment of seeing the glories of Jesus Christ. And it says in Acts chapter 7, verse 56... 55 and 56, but Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed steadily into heaven and saw the glory of God. And he saw Jesus standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. And he told them, look, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. That is sitting at a place of honor and glory that he so longed for. And the amazing thing is he wants us to do the same thing. Jesus has this chance and he's reminding in his prayer that he wants to be reunited with glory, with God, the Holy Spirit. He's a part of this Godhead that we get to experience. And he wants us there with it. He wants the disciples there with him. He wants all this glory to be experienced together. This is the relationships that he's always wanted with us. Jesus is ending this prayer, this part of prayer, 
and putting everything that he has in forward. Jesus' earthly mission is coming to an end, but his disciples' mission was just beginning. Our mission may be just beginning. That's why we need to go back to prayer. In verses 6 through 8, it says, I have revealed you the ones you gave me from this world. They were always yours. You gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything I have is a gift from you, for I have passed on to them the message you gave me. They accepted it and know that I came from you, and they believe you sent me. Jesus is the greatest of all time as our friend, as our father, as our brother. Jesus is always looking out for us. And Jesus even shows us how intimate this relationship is that we get to experience. He's saying that the disciples were already picked out. They were always his. We are always his. We are never too far from him. He's praying for the children. And this prayer demonstrates our active dependence on God. It started this way and it's ending this way for our scripture tonight. It is all us putting our dependency on God, speaking to him, looking through his eyes, looking through his ways and his timing. And now more than ever, the disciples are going to experience what this dependency is. It's, so, it's easy walking. Well, it's not easy. It's, it's better walking with Jesus like that. He's right next to you. It's like, oh, if you get scared, oh, Jesus, protect me and do this. Now they're going to be all out on their own. The Holy Spirit's going to be there, but Jesus isn't going to be there to block them right away. Now they get to experience it all on their own for the very first time. And sometimes that's how we're going to have to experience it too. we are followers of Jesus, if we believe, and this is an important part of this text too, it says they accepted it and know that I came from you. So we have to accept his word and who he is. We have to do a little bit of work too. That's why we had this table talk of bringing glory to him. This isn't just a one-way street in faith where we sit back and everything's done for us. We're going to have to meet him head on to bring glory back to him to put prayer in his court, to do all these things. You have to accept his word. You have to walk with him. So what are you guys going to do tonight? If you get anything from this scripture, I hope you guys walk home, drive home, walk into your homes, and the first thing you do is fall down in prayer. And the first thing you do as you wake up tomorrow as you open your eyes in prayer. That you bring God into whatever you're going to face, not only for this day, because things may be going great for you right now. You may have no complaints and no trials, but Jesus does an amazing thing because he's put a covering over his disciples for what they are going to face. So if you're not facing trials right now, that doesn't mean stop praying. That means pray for the strength for whatever is going to come your way in the trials that you are going to face. You're walking with the Most High. If he can get down and pray, you can pray. So I want to do this one more time. You've prayed for yourself. 
And we're going to see next week that he's going to pray specifically over the disciples, but we started it tonight, so I want us to pray together. You're not going to have as much time for this next one, but I want you to go around and pray for each other. And for one thing specifically, is the strength and the wisdom to bring glory to God for this next month and during this Easter season. So go ahead and and do that. One of the glories of God is that we're going to bring people into this church that never stepped foot into a church unless it's Easter and Christmas. So let's get the strength to bring glory to God and bring more souls to be saved through them. So go ahead, pray for each other just for a minute, and then I'll let you guys get out of here. Lord, we thank you again for this chance. We thank you, Heavenly Father, for continually loving us. Like it says in the scripture, that we've always been yours. Sometimes we just need to hear that over and over again. That we are not walking through this life alone. So Lord, I ask you to give us the strength that we need. Show us ways to bring more glory to you. Because you deserve all the glory there is, Lord. Show us how to bring it in our workplace, at home, at our schools. Wherever we go, Lord, you deserve glory. Show us ways to bring that even more. Lord, we thank you for the words that you've given us. We thank you for the example that you've given us that we can get down and we can pray for ourselves, that we need to strengthen ourselves up. We need to get ourselves right, and we know we are going to get right through you, Lord. So we ask you to just come through us and work through us so that then we can work into other people, Lord, and point them in the direction of you. Lord, continue walking with us. We know we're going to face trials in life. We know we're going to have problems in life. That it's never going to be the easiest road. But Lord, with you, all these things are going to be overcome and possible. Lord, we ask for your wisdom every single step that we take. Help us bring more awareness to prayer that there is always time in the day to pray. You were never too busy enough to stop and pray. Lord, continue to open our eyes to all that you're able to do. You've given us eternal life. You can do anything. You are the greatest of all time. And we thank you for choosing us to be part of life with you. We thank you. It's your name we pray. All God's people said, amen.